Hello, and welcome to the Low Key Podcast, Coeur d'Alene edition. Now, guys, there's some spots, audio-wise, that are a bit jumpy, so we apologize for that. Now, without further ado, Union Roasters, it's nice, it's easy, it's low-key. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome to the Low Key Podcast. I am the I'm in the heart of Coeur d'Alene with Union Roasters and with the guys from Union Roasters, Shane and Chris. Correct? <laughs> How are you guys doing? Great. Doing good. Thanks for having us. Anything to say, Chris? I'm just pumped on the opportunity to be on your show, man. <laughs> cool. So kind of tell us about the backstory how Union Roasters got started, how you guys all met up. I know there's one guy that couldn't be here, um, but kind of tell, tell the audience about your guys' relationship. Yeah, it's a really good story. It started about five years ago, where Chris and I had uh, an idea about getting some nitro cold brew brewing up here, which kind of was a not often seen thing yet now it's blowing up but we were kind of you know one of the i think probably the first around in this area to offer um, nitro cold brew coffee and andy came along the way chris had some sort of connection with him or with someone and he was an extremely small roaster just started and um, yeah since then he's blossomed and we decided to merge with him uh, for the shop uh, when we started this uh, but when we started back in 2014 we started only at a farmer's market and kind of had the experience of a farmer's market. And the past three years, we did the summer farmer's market and we've kind of are spent on it. We had our experience there and our time has come to an end with that. Um, but that enabled us to get into other opportunities with um, different events and street fairs and weddings and uh, different things that we can get involved in the community because this is a community um, outreach. It's kind of a thing that we're, we're based in a shop, but we're based here for the community. And um, before the shop, we were selling coffee out of our garage. I remember, uh, I remember guys, and they still buy coffee to this day, but they would come up to my garage and I would have my coffee, uh, our, our coffee. In, I mean, I had a sketchy garage too, because we, we had tanks built for us for the cold brew. So we had these two giant tanks in my garage that was filled with all other union stuff for the market so three quarters of my garage was all union stuff plus we had a giant refrigerator a freezer converted to a refrigerator that took up my entire garage so me and my wife never parked in our garage at all and uh, so yeah it was kind of a production area between my brother's garage and my garage uh, people bought kegs out of it people got bought you know cold brew bought growlers bottles all of that that we did, everything manually, um, no machines. Uh, our production area was extremely small. And so since then, I mean, we're still a small operation, but it's definitely grown as far as our outreach, our reach to this community, um, other, other cafes that are here as well. So it's been a cool little get-go for Chris and I. And um, it's kind of a, br a brother thing where our family came together and decided to push forward with this 
um, this, yeah, started as a as a thought and idea that we would um, start this company called Union. So our labeling, our branding, everything was different. My brother's just a genius in that creative area. So we had a lightning bolt, which is up on our, our wall now. And uh, there's a lot of stuff hidden in that mural, but there's stuff back in our, you know, in the background that is kind of has meaning to it. And that is one of them because it was its own time. That's the beginning and things have slightly shifted. The heart of everything remains the same as far as being here for the people as you can see, is kind of a motto that we have. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a small beginning. It's still small, but it definitely has seen growth over the past you know, four or five years, especially Chris had a full-time job. I had a couple different jobs, yeah. and we were doing union on the side. So I was up, I actually have time-lapse video that I did because I bottled like thousands of bottles, labeled them, capped them. I made ginger beer. All, all out of my house. The ginger beer is a process of, I broke a couple juicers. Um, that We all started with, with cold brew, ginger beer, uh, ground coffee. We do pour overs at the market. And I broke two, two juicers by juicing uh, ginger root. That Yeah, and so we, that was a process. So we, I mean, it was, yeah, I could keep talking and more things would come up in my head of stuff that we've gone through you know, we were just buying our own bottles and our caps, and uh, Chris was getting labels printed, and um, so yeah, a, l a lot was happening um, in Chris's life as well as in my life, and having kids, and, and yeah, it's just added chaos to the household. And I remember just, um, like I said, the time-lapse video I got yeah. of me um, making ginger beer, uh, and then also capping, or labeling, uh, filling, and capping for nitro cold brew coffee. Yeah. And it was a process, so it's really cool to look back and see me in my kitchen, you know, doing all this stuff, going out to my garage, and my garage is where I would, you know, I would kind of do some of the process of making the ginger beer, and then I'd come back and forth, and I'd go in my backyard, because it was just this thing. My house was kind of the production area for for quite a bit of it, yeah. And so my brother did a lot of the brewing in his garage. So yeah, thank God that we had houses and stuff to do everything in. But yeah, let's go. Here's Chris's side. That is me. Here is he. Um, yeah, like Shane said, for us it really started with cold brew. I, I mean, I can remember being a kid and our mom would make cold brew when we were, I don't know, I remember drinking it when I was like five or six years old. And, um, and have always kind of had an affinity for it. And uh, then watching, like I used to travel a lot and watching kind of the cold brew scene become really popular around the country. Um, yeah. Some of the cities I was in, we just thought it'd be really cool to bring that to Coeur d'Alene and nobody was doing nitro. And so we did just start at a farmer's market. And it was interesting, like when we went to go start, we had to find a roaster that we could purchase beans from and, uh, you know, we didn't want to just go get some big roaster in town that, um, I'm not going to name names, but there's several big roasters in town where we could just go to and buy their beans from them. But we really wanted somebody that would roast for us and then allow us to kind of private label um, our own beans, um, source them through them. And, uh, and so through an old connection, an old friend of mine, we got hooked up with Andy, who's now our third business partner. 
And um, Andy's, honestly, he's one of the best roasters in the area. The guy's um, uh, an ex-biochemist that laid down his job uh, in order to just try roasting because he loved it and loved coffee. Yeah, so just the way he thinks, he's super scientific and just really precise and does a very good job roasting. And uh, so we were purchasing beans from him and uh, and then making our cold brew and doing pour overs and and it's kind of always been in the back of our head that it would have been awesome to start a coffee shop someday um, and again because like from traveling you see some really cool shops in Seattle and Portland and in Southern California where I had spent a lot of time in and just wanted to see something um, more influenced by kind of the, the coffee scene in those cities come to Coeur d'Alene because primarily you just see a lot of coffee shops in our area that pop up that have like a Northwest vibe and they're kind of outdoorsy and hippie-ish and feel like a gypsy den and you know it's like the, it has its own vibe and and yet there was nobody that was bringing something to town that just felt um, just a little more urbanized I guess something a little more updated and geared towards a different generation. And, uh, and so um, a year ago, um, there was a coffee shop that was here and they were going, they were trying to sell the business and um, we were approached by them and the three of us just thought, hey, you know, we have this cold brew business and, um, and then Andy's got this roasting business. What if we just all three went in together and made the whole thing union and so we started a shop have a wholesale side of the business and all of our roasting um and do it all together and so yeah it's been a year so we purchased an existing shop totally remodeled the place rebranded um we brought in waffles i don't know if you you've seen our waffles but it's uh we we do a uh, an authentic belgian liege waffle so we import our waffles from belgium and, uh, and so it's kind of custom to the area. And then, yeah, have our own in-house roasting. And um, yeah, it's been a year of trying to figure out how the heck to run a coffee business in the midst of a thousand other coffee businesses in the town that we live in. But, uh, but it's been really fun. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty cool. Um, when I think of coffee, I don't normally think of Idaho. Um, but ever since my, my roommate moved here, um, just being able to see the, the coffee culture and seeing that there is places that have specialty coffee and that are intentional about coffee is really cool, especially in Idaho. Like, I just don't think of that right away. Uh, yeah, yeah, people think of potatoes. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I don't, I also never thought there'd be, like, really nice mountains, too. And I've, I've been here, and I'm like, man. It's, it's a pretty place. I'm like, this is kind of one of the, the hidden gems in the U.S. that I haven't heard a lot about um, growing up. Um, but for you guys, why did you choose um, Idaho and the city you're in? And also, what, what are some struggles you had um, just in growing the business for you guys? Um, we didn't really choose Idaho. Idaho chose us. So we were already here. My brother and I's roots go deep here. We've been, our family's been here since the 80s. Um, and then I moved away for 10 years and then moved 
back here 10 years ago almost. And so, um, you know, Idaho for us is just, again, our roots go deep. We know a lot of people in this area and we love the city and we more than anything just wanted to do something that not only was, um, provided a really good product, but was just a blessing to our community. I, I think a lot of times, like if you spend a lot of times in higher end coffee shops, it, it's almost like a bike shop in the sense where you go in, if you don't bike, um, they just kind of treat you negatively and you feel like, you know, the, there's like this coffee snobbery society and it's, I don't think we want to be taken that seriously. You know, I think that there's a, a part for us that's just, can we have fun and serve a good product and provide a venue that our city just loves to hang out in and that's fun and like upbeat and life-giving and not someplace that just feels like you're walking into someplace to get criticized because you couldn't produce the, uh, or you couldn't pronounce the name on the coffee bag. You know what I mean? So, um, so uh, again, like the, the struggle for us has been the fact that there's like five coffee shops in Coeur d'Alene that all came in in the last year and a half. And so um, now we're sort of competing with all these other coffee shops. And as much as you don't want it to be like competition, it's difficult because we're a town of 50,000 people and you've got like five decent coffee shops within a two mile radius. And so, um, there's only so many people in our town that care about high-end coffee at this point. Now, maybe in five years, like as people's palates grow for good coffee, like there'll actually be more room for more coffee shops to, to take up some space in this community. But for right now, you're kind of vying for the same people and trying to grow people's palates and teach them about coffee and have them actually appreciate um, uh, a, a great product, you know, and not just drink gas station coffee yeah. <laughs> i don't mind some gas station coffee i actually like mcdonald's really some black coffee go get a 12 ounce mcdonald's their lids kind of bug me <laughs> they, have, they have like this little nipple thing that comes out and, but no um yeah it's it's like the competitiveness around here i think the other night when we had the throwdown was awesome because I had every, I called all the shops. We had one of the owners of one of the shops here um, judging, and we had, I got donations from all the other shops in, because it's like community support. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want competitive, competitiveness happening between us and the other coffee shops in the area. I'd rather the competitiveness be between us and Starbucks, and you know, Chris said that we compete for the same people, which kind of stinks, because if we have 50,000 people in this community, Starbucks is a quarter of a mile away from us, and why aren't we shooting for those? Those people need to be the ones we're focusing on. Yeah. Or I, I take that back. Um, we have a community of people around us, and maybe reaching out to them through an event like we just had, and saying we're here, you know, as a, you know, this place is for the community. We want to bless the community through having an awesome venue and producing quality coffee and waffles and bake stuff. Our baker's in the back right now just killing it. And, you know, we want to, you know, be what Starbucks. Starbucks says uh, third home, be people's third third place of being. I, I, I worked at Starbucks back in 2005 and um, be people's third place of being. And I, <clears throat> I kind of think of that like, you know what? what let's do some community focus here and uh, have a community business be the third place of being for 
our community, you know, so they can come in and be a part of something that is giving back to the community as well. So, you know, I really appreciate people coming and supporting our business. We employ, you know, people in this community. So, you know, why did, why did we start it here? I think it just happened because we're from here and we have a lot of roots and connections here. But also, a lot of the people that start working for us, we have existing relationships with, which kind of is kind of sketchy. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we know the people that we hire and we trust them and we know that they're passionate about what they do. And so the, the people that have been around us for a long time and are also influential in the area, like, you know, we can hire them on or pay them and uh, have them be part of the family, you know. Everyone that's hired is kind of absorbed by us into the union family and they can't escape it. They're with us forever. <laughs> but, um, you know, our, our love for the city continues. And, uh, yeah, hopefully people get that vibe from us that, you know, we're not just a coffee shop trying to make money, yeah. but we're a coffee shop that's here, you know, for the people that walk through the doors that are having a low day, having a high day. We can give them a smile and a cup of coffee that is delicious. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, I, I know our roaster said, yeah, he said, you know, the best thing that anybody could do is tell me how great the coffee is that they're drinking, and that will make his day because he spends time you know, messing with recipes to come and see a person from the community come in and say, dang, this is a really good cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I think what, what's an awesome mentality, and I, 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 I've, I've heard it from what you guys said, um, is there, there's a certain percentage of coffee snobbery. Um, it's like a, a 1%, like people who really know the coffee. But most people are just looking for the experience. And coffee's kind of become this cool thing that people want to learn about. And um, and just like, they want like to for people or baristas to be open to teaching them. And that, I, I feel like you guys have that mentality in some of the words you've, you've said, which is really cool. Um, and I love when coffee shops have that mentality. Um, what are um, what are some of your inspirations? Like, did you did you guys have any any coffee shops that inspired you? Um, is there any motivations that you guys have? Um, what keeps you guys passionate about being in coffee or small business? Uh, with me, it started with a place called Java on Sherman, and it was off Fourth and Sherman, and uh, the place was packed and was always busy, and you kind of see the. Um, at least the style of a, of a cafe, how it used to come from a mom pa, puka shell, you know, hipster, kind of hippie feel, yeah. and where it's come. To, and that place was hopping, it was dirty, the, it was all carpet, it was just, the walls were gross, and everybody loved the place. They loved it. And uh, that place was awesome, and it was like the melting pot. And I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, I always wanted this place to be a melting pot for people to come and be a part of it. Because I would see the same people every time I go in. I knew the baristas, and it was so, that was so awesome, the whole community aspect of it. And so now I'm thinking the same people that I would always see down there are all migrating here. And it's kind of becoming the melting pot as well. And I hope the melting pot continues to grow. And there's more people that are added to the, the pot as well because it's, it's been um, cool to see because Java on Sherman is no longer on Sherman. 
they shut down and moved. Uh, they have a place in Hayden, uh, Java Hayden now, and the owners are great people. You know, been able to build a uh, relationship with them over the years. But uh, yeah, seeing how that has ended, multiple coffee shops moved within, you know, 900 feet of the place, like you know, a block away. Um, and so coffee still uh, is alive there, but we're, you know, a stone's throw away up by the interstate, and um, people are, you know, starting to congregate, congregate here. But yeah, my passion for coffee was definitely um, a Java on Sherman. And uh, yeah, I, I remember back in high school, my buddies working at Starbucks, and I would have my 20 ounce white chocolate mocha. And I look at that now, and I'm like, holy crap. It's like I had 20 ounces of milk <laughs> with sugar and coffee. And when you get people that are start working in coffee shops and get into it, it's almost like I'll taste a shot and make sure it's on, and then I'll get some drip. And that's about the extent of it. So I look back, and, and even, even looking at Java, is vanilla latte is my thing. And uh, really, that if it's a good vanilla latte, I can tell. And that place really had it dialed in and, yeah, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, props to Javon Sherman and Dave and Lindsey Patterson for being awesome and really cultivating that uh, coffee um, community and atmosphere in Coeur d'Alene. That was cool. Um, I think for, for me, again, like after traveling a lot, spending a ton of time in Seattle and in Portland and Southern California, watching the coffee community expand there has been um, really inspiring for me um, because you just see all these different coffee shops that kind of take on their own vibe. And what I think is really interesting, I think, in the coffee community today is that it's becoming more geographically focused. Like, you go to Portland and you see dozens upon dozens upon dozens of coffee shops. There's, like, new coffee shops opening up every single week. But they're almost becoming focused on neighborhoods. And so um, it's like each neighborhood gets... Uh, you know, like a rad coffee shop that the people that live around it can all come to, and it's becoming very neighborhood neighborhood focused, so it can support a bunch of coffee shops because you have people in all the houses that live around it walking there, and that becomes like the hometown gathering place. And and so I think that part of the culture has been really neat. But for for me, um, you know, back in the day, I used to love to go to, um, you know, eight years ago, go to Stumptown downtown Portland before coffee really hit hard there um, and now when I go there it's like I'll, I have a buddy that lives in Portland and I'll go down there um, for a couple days at a time and I'll always say alright line up three coffee shops and two great restaurants and we'll just do a crawl all day long and you know so we'll hit um, uh, there's a rad place called Prince Coffee in northern Portland that's good um, there's a place a little place called Either Or down in Selwood that uh, I really like a lot, um, and then um, and then you've got like good coffee and and a barista and some of the other the bigger ones that are popping up over there. But I just I, I can't say that there was like an inspiration from one coffee shop that we were trying to go after. It was more like watching the service they provide, watching the experience they provide, and trying to figure out a way to mimic a, an experience for people when they come in because good coffee is only a small portion of what you provide for people when they come in through your door. Their, their interaction with your employees, um, the community that you build in the coffee shop, 
and the product that you serve, like between those three things, I feel like is what creates the experience that people have. And if you can kill it in all those areas, it keeps people coming back and it gives them a sense of community. I mean, there's a reason that CrossFit is as big as it is nowadays because they're like a community. They provide more for people than just the gym to attend. It's actually um, a, a community of people that they become part of. And I feel like that's kind of the role of the coffee shop today is it's ending up being like the bar of 50 years ago where people get off work and we go get, go to, yeah, and we, we, we go to the bar and the bartender knows my name and I get the same drink every day. And instead now that's kind of transferring to coffee shops where it's, I stop by the same coffee shop every day. I get my same drink. I like talking to the people that serve me coffee. I enjoy the community of people that are gathered here and all in all, if we can provide an experience for people that's just fun, that they, a group of people that they want to be around and they get a great product in the process, then I feel like it's a win for all of us. Yeah, I think community is huge for, for any small business. Um, you've mentioned CrossFit, which is funny because I do it on and off. And one of the reasons I go back is because of the community aspects um, and the experience for, for most parts for me is the community aspect I love, uh, love coming back to a coffee shop because of the, the community. Um, for you guys, is there any personal flavor profiles or um, brewing methods that you guys um, personally love? Um, well, I think if you talk to anybody um, kind of heavy into coffee, they like the pour over method. So we started at the farmer's market, we did pour overs, which take a while between grinding the beans and pouring the greens, grinding the beans, putting them in the filter, putting, and it, so it's this whole manual thing, which is all part of the experience and the flavor. Um, but the market was funny because the way they have markets lined up is they have uh, tent after tent after tent, and uh, there's no room in between. And so we were always put next to this uh, person I call the crazy crepe lady. So when you do the market, you end up naming everybody by the by the thing that they sell. So like crazy tomato lady, uh, burrito guy, um, crazy crepe lady. And so luckily we were next to this lady who we kind of had some wiggle room. Um, so the layout of the, uh, sorry, this is, it's not really off topic, I'm coming back to it. But um, <laughs> is it, uh, you have the this front uh, part of the booth, but then a wrapped around the corner, that's where we did the pour over. People can't stand directly in front of the booth and just sit there for five minutes waiting for their coffee. Um, luckily, we had this little offshoot on the side that they could wait and watch our, you know, watch whoever's behind the counter. It doesn't have to be, be a barista. It could be our wife or even a son or something that's back there doing it. But um, you know, they could at least do it, talk to the person while it's happening. Yeah. I know, it, especially when you get four or five, six people lined up, it kind of starts to get fr frustrating for everybody. Um, so yeah, but definitely the, the pour over, we've been a big supporter of the pour over since we started, even before that. Um, so it was, it was awesome when we got that Curtis Seraphim over there, which is the automatic, yeah, auto pour, I mean, you can dial in, you know, the, anything that you want to do as far as quantity of water, the volume, you know, mess with the extraction, uh, how much coffee goes in, uh, dial in when water pours, how much water pours, when it stops. You have your own recipe. So we got in there and we started naming them different names that were funny, 
like my my mine was called swim because I have swimsuit Shane is like an old nickname that I had um, at swimsuit Shane on inst- on Instagram. Um, but uh, we'd name them all our own things, and that kind of got chaotic, so we deleted them, and we stick with one. But yeah, the the best uh, flavors come out in that pour over method. Um, I think with the temperature water, um, being able to uh, adjust the um, adjust the blooming of the coffee and how it rises and falls and being able to, you know, kind of manipulate the, um, the brewing of it rather than, hey, let's go home, brew our drip that shoots water straight down the middle and just sits there. It kind of allows us to get er- all, of the, all of the coffee on the sides all the way into the middle, back out to the sides as you kind of do that circular method. It gets all of the grounds that are in the filter and it kind of gets that whole flavor thing, you know, going. It's really cool, it's a, you know, so it's not a, a normal blue, a brew method. It's different because it can more personalize and uh, create more of the flavors that are, you know, Andy roasts. He doesn't roast to make the same bean taste the same way every time. It all, you know, according to how it, the, his brew method um, and the, the profile is better exposed by having this kind of brew method. So yeah, pour over. Sweet. Um, it's, it's interesting in in uh, in most other cities that I've traveled to. It seems as though they're going to lighter and lighter roasts, um, and so we have experimented with going lighter. It's been kind of interesting because there's a there's there's one aspect of it that's what do you want to do. And then there's other aspect of it. What does our community want? And uh, it's been hard for us to make the leap to all lighter coffees because so many people come in. Oh, it's I just like my coffee way darker than that. It's like they want the coffee that's burned to the max and as dark as possible so that they can taste it. You know. And so we've <laughs> we've sort of been weaning people off of it. And so I feel like our profiles are getting lighter. Um, for me, like I, you know, I love a pour over. I, when I come into the shop, I usually will just get, um, uh, like either an Americano. I love just drinking our cold brew. Um, and as far as profiles, uh, this new Guatemalan we just got in has a blackberry taste in it. That's really, really distinct. And it's probably one of my favorite coffees right now. And, um, I always struggled drinking coffee black in the past, and now I'm actually working myself to a place where that's yeah. all I'm all I'm drinking. You, were, you guys were kind of talking about um, flavor profiles and stuff, um, and your coffee. Kind of describe some of your coffees that you have, and are you guys connected to farms or importers or anyway? Um, so, one of the things that's been important to us from day one is that we could just find people to import coffee for us and um, and purchase it from the same coffee places that everybody's purchasing their coffee from, the same uh, brokers. Uh, for us, it's been really important that all the coffees we purchase are supporting like social justice work in the various communities that we purchase our beans from. And so uh, every single coffee that we buy, we make sure that whoever we're working with to purchase that coffee is actually um, in relationship with the farmers in that region. 
So, um, so it, it's been important to us that it, the beans that we purchase are supporting more than, you know, a coffee business in some other country. Um, so, you know, one of the neat things for us, uh, there's one of the the the, uh, the Mexican coffees that that we use. Um, the farmer has actually built a birthing center on their farm because there were there were no opportunities for women to have safe like clean births in their city and so they decided to build a birthing center and then they use portions of the proceeds from um, their beans to actually uh, fund this birthing center and so um, last year when the big earthquake hit in Mexico, they, the farmers were calling us and they were saying, hey, we need sleeping bags and tents because um, we're opening up our farmland for all the people in our community whose houses have been destroyed to come sleep on our land. And so we did you know, a week or two of sales of that particular coffee. Every bag you buy, we're sending two bucks back to these, the farmers so that they can purchase sleeping bags and tents for all these people whose homes have been destroyed. And, and so, like, those kind of things for us have been really neat, where we feel like we call it direct relationship coffee. Um, you know, the, for us, it's just, do we have a connection with the farmer? Can we actually be a blessing to them? And are they doing things for their community beyond making money from the coffee that they're purchasing and the people they're hiring? Are they thinking outside of their business and actually being a blessing to the community they're established in as well? And so that's every coffee of ours has a story. Yeah, so when we started, there was an Ethiopian uh, coffee, it's from Kosher, and that's what Union started with, the, the cold brew. We got the roast down specifically for the nitro cold brew coffee that we had. And, uh, but it's cool because this Ethiopian, if you read um, the profile, it changes like season to season. It's because the crops are different season to season. So say you run out of a, of a crop uh, one year, just like you uh, have bananas, or bananas are kind of year-round. Anyways, uh, like uh, nectarines or peaches, you know, they come in and then they go out because there's different crops that go through. Same with sunflowers or, you know, uh, what are some other crops around here? There's other crops, lettuce, I'm not sure. We'll even take my, gar take my garden, potato, <laughs> potato. No, like, like my garden, we'll have carrots, carrots and tomatoes, and then those go out of season. So the same with like coffees, they have their seasons. The next season, the, the profiles are different. So that's something I always paid attention to. Uh, they're similar, but they are slightly different um, see, uh, crop to crop, say that. And uh, so that's been really cool, especially this is kind of the roots of it, this Ethiopian, this bag I'm holding right here. Um, as we started with that um, as the nitro cold brew coffee we used, and we also bagged it as well. That's the only one we did, is this one, this one um, location. And so since then, you know, we've obviously dived into Papua New Guinea and Honduras and Brazil, Guatemala, which is one of my favorites. We do have Sumatra that's on a little dar of the dark side. It's the dark, Andy said, this is the darkest I'll roast because he won't go any darker because he, you know, has, wants people to respect him for what he does. 
so he doesn't over roast. Um, so yeah, we kind of did spread wings, or I say Andy spread his wings because he's the the roaster. But um, yeah, as far as union goes, we started providing from way more areas than what we had originally started. So um, yeah, I'd say as far as profile stuff goes, a lot of the baristas in here, we sit back, it's slow, and we'll taste. You know, Guatemala is one of our favorite favorite right now. Um, but we'll all kind of sit back and taste. There's a Kenya that just came in. It's delicious, and we all love it. So it, we're pretty much all on the same page. I think if someone comes in, we have some coffee snob friends that are awesome people. They're coffee snobs just because they love coffee and they're into it, but they're awesome people. But they'll come in and they'll give us feedback like, hey, you should try this. This tastes really good. But they're so on board with us and they support us that they're willing to bring up like, hey, it pro pro will probably offend us if a customer came in and said this. But I love Tim. Tim's awesome part of what we do. Tim used to be employed by the former uh, cafe owners here. But Tim shares what he thinks about our coffee. And it's really cool because um, he's got connection with Andy, the roaster. And so we have people calling Andy, telling the, uh, him what they think of the coffees right now. And so yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Again, I went off subject. But uh, again, I can just sit here for an hour if you want me to talk. What advice would you guys give to a coffee roaster or someone that wants to get into coffee or small business? Go get a degree and become a scientist before you become a roaster. <laughs> you actually, if you, if you look into it, a lot of the people who are into roasting are pretty intelligent people. You ever notice that? They're all really intelligent as well-versed people. Um, anyways, I have, I have no answer for that. I could talk, if you want me to, about nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so I guess with regards to business and coffee, is two I have two different responses. With regards to coffee, I'd say um, just don't take yourself too seriously and enjoy the process and learn as much as you can because we feel like we're almost five years in and still learning so, so much. Like uh, on a regular basis, I'm continued to be, continuing to be uh, just kind of like realize how much I don't know. And, um, and yet uh, that's okay. You know, we wanna be part of the process and learning um, every aspect of coffee because there's just, there's something great about it. It's sort of like, you know, I grew up in the skateboard world and uh, in the skate world, once guys get to a point in their life where they just can't be pro skateboarders anymore, um, they start finding other jobs, but they're still skateboarders at heart. And so they still want to skate, but they have to work to provide for their bills. And I sort of look at baristas in the same light where it's a hobby. It's like a gift. It's something they love to do that they're passionate about. And, and so um, for us to be able to start a coffee shop felt like we got to just do something that we love, even though there's not a ton of money to be made in it, and uh, in a community that we love. And so, if it'd probably be harder to do this if we were in a city that we didn't know with a bunch of people we didn't like. Um, but anyway, and then with regards to business, it, again, we're still learning. I mean, this thing—it cost us a ton of money to get it going. Um, we're still trying to figure out like how to make the thing profitable and how to expand our wholesale accounts and 
um, how to do coffee better and better. Um, but business is just hard. Like, I think it's one of those things that it's like, if you, um, you better not go into it thinking that you're going to flip something really quick and make some money. And you better not go into it thinking that, um, it's going to be like an easy overnight success because I think it's something that you have to be willing to grind out for a while and be willing to struggle before you actually get to see the fruit of it. And especially in our community, we feel like with so many coffee shops coming to town, it's neat that they all have their own kind of flavor and their own following. Um, but, uh, long term like we want to be here in 20 years so how do you set yourself up in such a way that you're not just a flash in the pan new thing that just started that's here today and gone tomorrow but something that can continue to establish deep roots in the community and be a blessing to our community 20 years from now in the same way that we can in the same way that we can be today so that's really cool what are you guys' social mediums? How can people connect to you and, and show? Um, and where are you guys at? Yeah, so we're um, Union Roasters on Instagram, uh, Union Roasters on Facebook, unionroasters.co um, online. And uh, do you want just business? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and that's the best ways to connect with us. I mean, we've noticed that Instagram has become such a huge part of our business anymore. I mean, we we continue to test advertising on Instagram and just like try, try things to try to figure out what kind of following we have. Does it actually get people into the store? And we're just finding today that Instagram by far is like our greatest asset to get the word out about our business. Well, cool. Thanks for being on the Loki podcast, and thanks for letting me in your shop and be um, be a part of the latte art competition on May fourth. Thanks, thanks for everything. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for letting me ramble. If if you ever want a low key podcast of a rambling, call me. We'll do it on the phone. And I hope that there's at least five minutes of this that you can use. So. Hopefully it was good for you, man. But thanks for letting us be on it. Yeah. Cheers. Hey, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Low Key Podcast. Now, if you ever go to the city in Idaho that I cannot pronounce, Coeur d'Alene, go check out Union Roasters and get some coffee. Also, I believe they have waffles. So go, go try that out, too. Also, go follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Now... If you listen to the Low Key Podcast and don't subscribe to us, subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you're a subscriber, rate and review the podcast. Give us five stars because we're the best. That's it in Low Key land. Keep it nice. Keep it easy. Keep it low key. (laughs) 